If you don't read your Bible and study your Bible, you will forget the realities of who you are in Christ and you forget the sinful nature of your flesh. You'll forget about it because the world's not going to tell you you're sinning. Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of Kayla. Father, we thank you for your time, um, a time of your refreshings, a time of strength. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word. We're so very grateful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the kids. Thank you for Jessica pouring the word of God into them and may the fruit of Children's Church be forever resounding or the effects and decades to come all the way into eternity. Thank you, Lord. We're so very grateful. Grant unto me, your son and your slave, supernatural divine utterance, that I may boldly make known the mysteries of the gospel. Grant unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened that they may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them that believe. Father, I thank you for what you're doing here at KLM. I'm so very, 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 very grateful. Thank you for boldness as I speak your word. Clarity. Lift up your hands half mask and just tell, tell Jesus how much you love him. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We worship you and we honor you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to dive right into this. I, I actually did not get a chance to give this to um, Alfred, um, the information. We, we're going to put a pause. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4 real quick. And we're going to put a pause in 2 Timothy and we'll finish it um, another time. But I was praying between last night and tonight, today, and um, just felt impressed of the Lord to go a different direction. Um, I know last week we talked about 2 Timothy chapter 4, the fight of your life, and we talked about the things, and um, I want to, let's just read verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing, thank you, um, by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist. I thought that was really, really neat. And it says, fulfill your ministry. Um, it is possible for you not to fulfill your ministry. You know, and uh, I don't want to be in that category. Fulfill your ministry. So there's some half-baked ministries, some ministries that did not do everything that God called it to do. God gives some people gifts, and they never maximize those gifts. They never, they release them, but maybe not to the full extent. So um, there's a lot there, a mouthful. I was here last night late, and the contractors were working, and, and I was here. Um, I posted on Facebook. I put the cross. It was nice when it's dark. Um, and I was thinking about fulfill your ministry, fulfill your ministry. And that just kept coming to my spirit. And it says, for I am being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. Um, some people haven't fought the good fight. You know, they, they're losing. Jesus. You, you ever seen a, somebody lose a fight? Jesus. Um, I fought the good fight. Some people are fighting the wrong fight. 
but but we got to fight the good fight, the right fight, the God fight. Um, some battles we're we're not to be involved in. We need to choose our battles according to the grace that God has given us. And he says, I finished the course. I finished the race. Some people don't finish the race. You ever seen somebody run track and they don't finish the race? What will happen? They trip up. They fall. They get tired. There's an injury. They get distracted. Paul, with such persuasion, he says, I have finished the race. I've done everything. I won every battle. I'm sure there, there's some battles he lost, you know, but in, in other words, I stayed with it. Mm-hmm. I fought the good fight. It was, it was a good fight. I did not go down without a fight. Mm-hmm. And I did not run the race and finish it. I mean, uh, uh, like tripped, get tripped up, or I, but I finished the race. Like I, I, I got to the end. How many of us will be able to say that? Amen. Amen. Jeremiah says, he raises his hand. He's like, that's me. Um, and then I've kept the faith. Some people don't keep the faith. They shipwreck their faith. They get off course, get into erroneous doctrines, get off. They, you know, they exalt a truth instead of the truth is Jesus. You know, truth is a truth is that God wants you to prosper, but it's not the truth who is Jesus. Amen. Uh, we know that prayer is important, but some people have exalted prayer out of its grace. What, what do you call that? That's utterance. I never thought about exalting grace, prayer out of its grace. There's a grace of prayer, and, and you know you need to keep things in order. You know you, you can get out. Uh, I'm not a pilot. Don't have a desire to be a pilot. Um, there are some great ministers who are, and they tell me that if you're off one degree, you'll end up somewhere else. And sometimes people have gotten off course just a little bit. We got to be careful with that. I've kept the faith. I, I I did. Sometimes it's right for us to be dogmatic about Jesus, yes. who Jesus is and what he's done. But there's some things we, we're not to be dogmatic about. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're not to argue with. We're not trying to be. And sometimes people have pushed their pet doctrine. Um, if they, you know, big on end times or ecclesiology, the study of last things, then they see it through the lens of that through everything. Uh, if they're big on healing, then they see healing in everything. Uh, if they're big on prosperity, see prosperity or deliverance or prayer or whatever. And so we, we got to be careful of not doing that. Then verse 8, henceforth, henceforth, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. He uses that day a lot, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And then verse 9 is what I want to, verse 9 and part of verse 10, do your best to come to me soon. He's writing from a place, it's cold, wherever he's at, it's cold, because he he tells Timothy to bring his cloak, which is um, um, some type of, like, like coat. (laughs) Um, He left it. Um, and he's, he says, I want you to bring that. But verse 10, part of it, I want to, for Demas, in love with this present world. And this morning we were praying, Lord, I don't want to be in love with this present world. So what I'm going to focus on today is pressing into pursuit. Pressing into Pursuit. Um, we, we're going to talk about your our pursuit of Jesus. Yeah. Um, the word press means to apply, to exert weight, a force, or steady pressure on. It actually means to squeeze or compress so as to alter in shape or form. And it also means to hold tightly. 
And this one is very applicable um, to put to death, to put to death. So when we press, we're putting something to death. James chapter four. James chapter four, we're talking about pursuing, um, pressing into pursuit. Uh, I, I, I got a um, acronym for pursuit and I'm going to give that to you now. It says P stand for press. U stand for understanding. R stands for righteousness. S, the spirit of the living God. U, uncommon. I, insight. T, time. Press, understanding, righteousness, spirit of the living God, uncommon, insight, and time. All right. James chapter four, verses six through 10. It says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes who? But he gives grace to the humble. So you and I can actually increase in grace by becoming more humble. He opposes the proud. Uh, one way to look at it is he is like an army set against you. God opposes. I don't want God to oppose me. And if any area that you have pride in, that's the area that he's opposing you in. It could be in your finances. It could be in your body. It can be in your marriage. It can be in your peace, your mind, your joy, your job, your home, your community. Wherever you have pride, you'll find the spirit of God opposing you in that area. There's, it is possible to have some areas of humility and other areas of pride. And so we need to be careful of this dangerous thing called pride. You got to put to death pride. Say, I'm, I'm making up my mind. I'm going to be humble. And the word humble doesn't necessarily mean that you go around having a sign that says you're humble or you allow people to walk on you. It simply means that you're teachable and you there's a, a way to have confidence and yet humble. And we see from the Bible that Moses said that he was the meekest man on the earth. And yet here, here he is talking about himself. Then even John in the book of the Gospel of John, we see John calling himself the, the one that is loved by Jesus. And yet he was humble. So pride is dangerous. Pride got Satan kicked out of heaven. And I don't want to be kicked out of my place in the kingdom because of pride. It says here, and we see Saul, even Saul, um, who was appointed king, he lost or he disqualified himself from serving in that office. So there's some preachers who are disqualified. Uh, you, you may never be disqualified per se from the kingdom of God, but you can be disqualified from ministry. And that is not that your call is so great that God can't overlook you and oppose you and kick you out. He rejected Saul, but accepted David, David who had a heart after him. It goes on and says this, verse seven, submit yourselves therefore to God. So who, who are to, we are to submit ourselves. And it says, resist the devil and he will flee. The reason why some people are resisting the devil and send no fruit is because they're not first submitting themselves to God. How can you resist the enemy when you have not obeyed God? Resist the devil after you have submitted yourselves to God. And one of the ways that we submit to God is through his word. Amen. Amen. We submit to spiritual leaders. We submit to the authorities today. This morning on my way to church, um, I got here at seven something and I got pulled over by a cop. And I did not have my wallet on me. My wallet was actually in the trunk in my backpack. And what happened was I was changing the song and Alfred was actually sending me a picture of the work the contractors were doing. And as he was sending it, I was trying to change the, the, um, the song on top of that. The cop ran past me and, and this is on the turnpike. He did not turn around because he couldn't turn around. He saw that I had the phone in my hand and I didn't, it wasn't like I was like doing this and driving. It was just like that. 
and he slowed down, and I knew it. <laughs> and then he got right behind me, put his lights on, and I went over. So I got my registration and my um, insurance card. And um, he came to the car. And usually I don't look, look them in the eye. I usually just have my hand straight. You know, that's the way they, they taught us on BET Summit. <laughs> y'all too young for that. <laughs> y'all were little kids. Some of y'all, but be, how many of y'all remember BET Summit? I mean, that was, was it Teen Summit? Teen Summit. I, I knew it. And they had the little nice little blocks they sat on and, you know, they would interview different. Uh, it, was, it was nice. <laughs> you know, they would talk about worldly stuff, but it was still kind of nice setup. Um, and so I know he did that, but I didn't do that this time. So he came and I looked him in the eyes. Oh God, I'm gonna die! <laughs> and so uh, he, he was like, "Lord, I'm looking at this cop," and I and, and he's like, "Where are you going?" I said, "Church." And when I said church, his heart melted. <laughs> and uh, he says, um, "Give me your registration and license. Is this your car?" "Yes, sir." And, uh, and he says, where's, where's your um, license? And I said, uh, it's in the trunk. <laughs> I said, you want me to get it? <laughs> and I could have, I just had flashes, me going to get, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and then, you know, then churches, you know, y'all ready for me to preach? And what happened? What happened? <laughs> hey, I just had like thoughts, you know, that's just the devil. And so <laughs> I was like, it's in the trunk. You want me to get it? And he was like, oh, no, sir, it, your registration should be good, be good for now. And so he, he ran everything, everything's good. And he came back. And then he looked at the license plate, I mean, my license, I mean, my car plate in the front. And he said, um, you know, holding your phone is $250 plus it's some points. So I'm thinking my insurance going up. And I was, he says, but, um, and then you don't have your license. That's another couple hundred dollars. And I was like, man. And so he says, but, um, and I looked him in the eye with humility. I said, yes, sir. No, sir. I'm very respectful. You're younger than me, but I was like, yes, sir. And he said, I'm going to just give you a ticket for your license plate, which is $55. He said, it won't be any points. Not license. I mean, um, the plate. Because he said it was like not clear. But I think he just made that up, honestly. But I was grateful. I didn't care. $55 and no points. And he says, next time, he said, Go, enjoy church, but next time, um, just have your license with you, and I believe you. He said, just if anything, just take a picture of it and have it always on your phone so you can show it. I said, yes, sir. And then he let me go. Amen. That That is um, God at work through humility. If we, we submit ourselves to God, I submitted myself to the authority, yeah. right? I mean, no cops are ministers, yeah. according to Romans 13, and we're to honor them, and we're to pray for them, and we to submit to them. And so sometimes people get into the anti-cops. It's not, you know, there's, there's some bad apples, but there's bad doctors, bad preachers, bad parents, bad kids, bad teachers, bad governors. But that doesn't mean everybody's bad. And I'm going to tell you, I got some friends who are cops and they're good. They're anointed and they're godly Amen. and they pray for people. <laughs> so and, and, and the cops are executing the will of God against evil on the earth. And so we should thank God for good cops. Not every cop is bad. And if you submit yourself to authority by submitting to God, by submitting to authority, then God will honor you and give you some favor and give you grace and mercy. That was mercy at, at work. Because as he was checking, I was like, mercy, Lord. I can't even pray in tongues. I, was, I can't even like, form a simple, oh, I said, mercy, mercy. And then I wanted to take a picture and like, oh, I'm not doing that. Put that phone down. Mercy, mercy, compassion. And the Lord had mercy on me. Glory to God. And so this scripture tells us, submit yourselves when you submit to your pastors and submit to um, spiritual leaders in the body of Christ. You are submitting to God. When, pa- when kids submit to their parents, they're submitting to God. Resist the devil and he will what? Flee. So the word flee means to run with terror. So the enemy will run from you in terror if you'll submit to God and resist him. Notice it's not enough just to submit to God. You got to bring some resistance to the enemy. You got to come against the enemy by your obedience to the Bible, by your calling on the name of Jesus, you speaking to him and rebuking him and binding him and getting him out for your life. The next part, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And he goes on, he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded, be wretched, 
are wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be torn, turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. What, what is that talking about? He's talking to the church. He says, you, you cleanse your hands. Uh, it reminds me of 1 Timothy, he says, lift up your hands without wrath and doubting. Make sure your hands haven't been doing something it should have been doing without wrath, without anger. Lift up your hands. And it tells us in Psalms, you know, lift up your hands and the king of glory will come in. So cleanse your hands, you sinners. And it says purify your heart. That means, you know, taking the word of God and applying the word of God to your heart. Create in me a clean heart. Lord, deal with my heart, the core of who I am. Come on. That's the way we, we, we approach the Lord. And he says, um, you know, um, you double-minded. So where have you been double-minded in? What area? You, you've had two different minds, two different confessions, two different um, ways of living. And then it goes on and says, be wretched and mourn and weep. In other words, and it says, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. What is James, the half brother of Jesus talking about? He is talking about fasting. He's talking about fasting. When you're fasting, it turns your laughter into gloom because your, your belly wants to eat. And your emotions get involved and there's no joy. <laughs> I, I don't, I've never seen somebody fasting and, and they're happy around. Happy. It's happy. What's that song? Um, happy. Come on, sing it with me. Happy. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. Happy. Yeah. So, uh, nobody's doing that when they're fasting. They're, 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 they're clothing themselves with humility and self cloth and ashes and, and the spirit and they're humble. And then it says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. The one of the best ways to humble yourself is through fasting, turning down the plate, turning down, um, legitimate sex between husband and wife and, and to, and to clothe yourself with humility before the Lord. And if you do that, that is how you draw near to the Lord. You draw near through your prayers and your fasting and your, your humility. That's how you compress into pursuit by humbling yourself and drawing near and going hard after God, having a heart after God. The proof of passion is in the pursuit. Some people say they're passionate about different things, but the proof of that passion is the pursuit of what you're passionate about. Are you pursuing what you're passionate about? We're talking about pressing into pursuit of Jesus. We, we have to get in a mindset and says, not just say, I love you, Jesus, but I'm going hard after you. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll love people and you'll do the will of God. The definition of um, a pursuit is the act of pursuing an active activity that one engages in as a vocation, a profession, or occupation, a work. How many know that pressing into pursuit, the, the, the call and the work of Christians is really to pursue God, pursue Jesus. De definition up for pursue is to follow in order to overtake and capture to find or employ measures to obtain or accomplish, to seek, to hunt, to chase, to go in pursuit. That cop was in pursuit of me this morning. He saw me breaking the law. And therefore, he says, I'm going to execute justice by pursuing this lawbreaker. And we need to break our own laws of the flesh and pursue Jesus. Amen. Go to James, John chapter 1, and then I'll go into Philippians, and then we'll be finished. John, John chapter 1, and let's look at verse 1, 11, excuse me, verse 11 and 12. It says, Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Notice that the Bible says that if we would receive Christ, 
and believe in his name, we, be, we have the right to become children of God. The word receive in the Greek means to take. You take hold of and don't let go of. That's, that speaks of pursuit. Um, if, you, if you want to really receive Christ of the Bible, you take hold of Christ and you don't let him go because he didn't let you go. You're holding on to Christ through the, the rope of grace. And, and it's not that you, you're so great in your pursuit, but he got a hold on you. And as a result of his hold on you, you got a hold of him. It's because he loved you. You understand how much he loves you. Now you're able to love him. So let's go to Philippians chapter three. We're talking about pressing into pursuit. I want to encourage you, even as the woman with the issue of blood, she pursued Christ. We'll talk about her in a minute. Philippians chapter three, we're talking about pressing into pursuit. You, 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 there's going to be some work as Christians. We got to work. I know we, we, some, some people don't like the terminology of work when it comes to our salvation. And we're not talking about working for our salvation. We're talking about working out our salvation. Philippians chapter three. And if we look at verse one, it says, finally, my brothers rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you is no trouble to me, but it's safe for you. Um, here, repetition is the mother of education. Um, to repeat something, especially divine truth, will protect you from getting off course. One of the things that if you're a pilot, they make you do is go over the fundamentals every single year. Why? Or every so often, I'm not sure every year, but every so often, why? Because Repeating the same things over and over is a sure way to say that you're going to be safe. Um, you need to have your mind re uh, renewed as you read through Genesis to Revelation again and again and again and again and again and again. You are protecting yourself from false doctrine. You're protecting yourself from sin. You're hearing truth. It, it's easy for us to get off and forget about truths. Even though you've heard this all your life, you can actually forget about it. The Bible speaks of it in James. It says that we are like men who have looked into the mirror and forgot what type of person that they were. It's possible if you don't read your Bible and study your Bible, you will forget about who you are. You'll forget the realities of who you are in Christ and you forget the sinful nature of your flesh. You'll forget about it because the world's not going to tell you you're sinning. And so Paul is saying to this church, God is is repeating himself. I'm repeating these truths for your safety. I mean, that God repeats himself a lot in scriptures over and over. You can see uh, nine of the 10 commandments repeated in the New Testament. Don't despise hearing the gospel over and over again. It is for your safety. We need to be constantly reminded that Jesus loves us. We need to be constantly reminded that he died for our sins. And we need to be constantly reminded, reminded that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. The things I'm sharing with you um, this morning is for your protection. It, it will bring assurance you're heading in the right direction. It's possible to be Christian and heading in the wrong direction. Let's look at verses two and three. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in what? In the flesh. So here uh, the apostle Paul is saying, beware of those who have gotten off course. And for truly we are Christians, true Christians, are true children of God, who we do not put our confidence in our flesh. You can't trust your flesh as far as you can throw it. So your flesh, everybody say the flesh is a mess. Flesh is a mess. And so we got to be on a guard against the flesh. Do not have confidence in the flesh. Verses four through six says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day. He, here he's given us his resume. And of the people of Israel, Another tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, I'm blameless. I'm blameless. Here Paul is saying, you know, 
I have a reason to brag. I have a reason to rely on my credentials, on my natural identity. And then he gives us the answers to verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Here, for the sake of Christ, he's counting the things that he accomplished and his identity has been lost. When we come to Jesus, we lose our identity from the natural and we receive the identity who who we are in Christ. That doesn't mean to deny your parents and stuff like that and change your last name to Am, because you know God is I Am. That's his last name, Am. I Am, right? Uh, It's a joke. Come on, laugh. Uh, Verse 8 says this, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. I love that, the fact that he said he may gain He thought knowing Christ, I left my back belt at home again. He thought knowing Christ was worth the loss of whatever he gained in this life. Is knowing Jesus worth it all? Knowing Jesus has to be our number one pursuit. The Lord reminded me um, over the night as I was sleeping that you never see the church seeking for signs and wonders. There, I know a lot of people who seek for signs and wonders. They want the, and it's nothing wrong for asking God for the gifts of the Spirit to operate through you. We to covet those things according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But it wasn't a pursuit of theirs. You know what was a pursuit? It's people. They wanted the gospel to be known so people can have this wonderful relationship with God through Christ. That was the, that's what they were crying out for. Give me more boldness, they were praying. Lord, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation so I can know the treasures of who Christ is in me. God, I want to abound in your love. I want to be without blame on the day of the coming of Christ. They had an eternal perspective of this life. Uh, D- Demis, he, he loved, he was in love with this present world. How many of us love this world more than we love Christ? Paul says, I'm forsaking all so that I can know him. Christ is enough. Not my happiness, not my joy, because if I get Christ, I got the joy, I got the happiness. If I get Christ, I can have what I need and even some of the things that I want. I want him. Paul says, I count all things but loss. I suffer the loss of all things, my reputation, uh, my finances, even the stoning of my body and the whipping of my body. I endure it all to gain Christ. I'm willing to be the laughing stock on my job. I'm willing to be the mocking, the person they mock in family reunions because I'm praying and refuse the alcohol. I'm willing to stand apart, to be set apart, to be peculiar, not weird, but peculiar for the glory of God. You know, if you ever see a weird Christians, it's not because Jesus made them weird. It's just that they were weird before Christ. I mean, I just get the record store, record right, right? It's, it's, if you have somebody, somebody who has swag before Christ, then, then they may have swag after Christ. Or, or somebody who's nerdy before Christ, when Christ comes, he doesn't necessarily change that, that kind of stuff. He may. <laughs> but the focus is that we, get, we gain Christ. Paul says, I count it as rubbish. I count it as doo-doo in order that I may gain Christ. Well, one of the things Paul was, some have said that he was not in prison. He was under the prison up to his neck in human ways when he wrote this. And he's telling them rejoice. And your little trial, your little tribulation, oh God, you can't even handle that. Here this guy is in human ways up to his neck saying rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. I count all of it as doo-doo because I'm around it that I may gain Christ. I'm suffering. I'm in prison for his name's sake. I'm in prison for doing what God called me to do. I'm persecuted because I live godly and I expose the religious world. I, I, I take away 
the powers of Satan, break the power of Satan over the lives of people, and it destroys their finances. They put me in prison. They think that I'm a threat to society because I'm doing what God called me to do. I'm after the souls of men and not the pockets of men. Paul had a greater joy and a greater vision for his life. And he's suffering all. Verse 9, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. If anybody was blameless and, and was able to obtain righteousness under the law, it was me, but I don't have that righteousness anymore. That I, I have the righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. Christ is my righteousness. He is my right standing. The reason why God does not consume me is because of Jesus. It's because of his virgin birth, his sinless life, his, his substitutional death, and his glorious resurrection that I stand before God as if I never sinned. God separates me from my sin as far as the east is from the west. He does not remember the things that I did. My sins are washed in the blood. And I stand cleansed before God as Adam and Eve did before the fall. He sees Paul through Christ. And if you're born again, my friend, he sees you through Christ. Yes, you may mess up, but God has given, you, given us a remedy. He says, confess up and I cleanse you up and I remove unrighteousness from you and I treat you as if you never did it. Glory to God. This is where Paul is glorying in. It's not the religious mindset of, oh, I'm a nobody. Oh, I'm a nobody. But he's recognizing who he is in Christ. If you're going to press into the pursuit of Jesus, you got to know who you are in him. That I might be found in him. That I might be found. And let's continue. I get caught up. I could stay there for all life, the rest of my life. Verse 10, that I may, what? Know him that I may know him, being found in Christ, that I may know him. God made you righteous so you could know him. He broke Jesus down so you could know him. He was separated from his son so that you could know him. He, was, he took a beating so you, he can, so you can know him. He, he, was, he, he, he went to, died on the cross, was in the grave for three days so that you can know him. So you can know him. Pressing into pursuit. Pressing into pursuit. Then he goes on and says, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. That I may know the resurrection that he experienced. Because he got up, I get up. What, it, what, what is the, the resurrection like? The resurrection is like the source. His resurrection is a foretaste of all of God's children. Because he got up, we're going to get up. That's our blessed hope. And then that we may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may obtain the resurrection up from the dead. Press, understanding, righteousness, spirit of the living God, uncommon, insight, and time. Let's talk about this press real quick as, as we prepare to let you go. We must press ourselves into the will of God and into the word of God and into the presence of God. You must determine not to let go of the Lord. Determine never to give up and never to let go of him. Never, ever, 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 ever give up. No matter what you're doing, what you're facing, what you're feeling, what you're, the tax that's on your life, never give up. If you'll never give up, you'll make it. If you'll never get up, you, you persevere to the end. You, you make it to the end. You keep on keeping on. You keep on praying and fasting and giving and serving and coming to church and hearing the word of God. Keep working on your marriage. Keep working on your singleness. Keep working on those kids. Keep working on the grandkids. Keep working on your work. Come on. You keep at it. And never let go of him. He loves us. And he has made a decision to pursue us as we respond to holding on to him. The reason why we're able to hold on to him because he held on to us. He doesn't let us go, so we shouldn't let him go. 
And if we deny him, he still remains faithful. The woman with the issue of blood, she pressed her way into the presence of Jesus. She was determined to know him as healer. She didn't let society stop her. By the law, she was not supposed to be in the public. And she did not let her condition stop her. She didn't let Satan stop her. I can imagine demons were talking to her. Oh, this is foolishness. You're not going to get your healing. They're going to stone you. And yet she says, no, no, no. If I only can touch the hem of his garment. I don't even need to touch him. I just need to touch his clothes. Because if I touch his clothes, there's enough power in him that it's going to go through his clothes that's going to affect my body. I believe God enough that I'm willing to risk my reputation. She pressed her way in and she said, I don't care what the society says. I know they're seeing the blood and I know they seen how weak I am. I'm going to press. And she said, she made up her mind and said, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. Sounds like old familiar um, narrative in Genesis. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Oh, oh, even though you strike me, even though, although you slay me, I'm not going to give up. I shall not be moved. I'm going to let go. I'm not going to let go of you. Until you bless me. I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna change in your presence. I'm gonna keep reading the scriptures when I don't understand it. I'm gonna keep doing what's right, speaking the truth, living right, going hard after God. This woman was so determined. And she got she pressed on to know the Lord as her healer. And she continued on and got a testimony. And the Bible speaks about her. Her story is known throughout the world. They, they call Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John the, the evangelists, the four evangelists. They are telling the good news of Jesus. And her story is in the gospel. <laughs> she pressed her way to God, made her known to all mankind. The second is understanding. First John chapter 5, verse 20 says, Jesus came that we may have an understanding of him who is true. Understanding is the, is the key to pursuit. You have to know how to pursue him. We pursue him through the, the, the biblical disciplines, such as prayer, fasting, studying, and meditating the word. Proverbs 4 tells us, and all you're getting to get understanding. And God uses knowledge. Um, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. And it goes on and says, because they rejected it. When you don't read and study your scriptures, the Bible, then you're rejecting the knowledge. You rejected him. So understanding, and then next one is righteousness. Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and these, these things shall be added unto you. We cannot truly know God without knowing how righteous we are. We're not righteous based on our own works, but we're righteous because of Christ. The, the just shall live by faith. What does that mean? Does it mean that you go and quit your job and you live in my faith. No, what that means is that your faith determines your life. That you're governed by your faith. You make decisions based on your faith. You walk by faith. You do your job by faith. You study by faith. You pray by faith. You give in faith. You, you go outside by faith. You take a walk by faith. You exercise by faith. You eat by faith. Everything you do is to be by faith. You are governed by your faith. And the just is... The just shall live by their faith. They're justified by their faith. Amen. The next one, Spirit of the living God. Spirit of God has been sent to be our helper. John 6, 44. He's been sent. He's our helper. Romans 8, 26. We have many weaknesses, but without the Spirit's help, we will not know him. It takes the Spirit of God to, for us to know Christ. So you need him. Number The next one, uncommon. Uncommon heart, uncommon humility, a common, uncommon life of repentance. If you're going to have something you never had before in Christ, you're going to have to do something you've never done before. It's going to take uncommon faith, uncommon giving, uncommon love, uncommon pursuit. You're going to have to lose your life and turn your back on this world. I like the old song, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I turn my back to the walk, to the world, and I pursue Christ. I'm going to build my life on him and around him. Don't just add Jesus to your life. Make him your life. 
When, when, when we were going through um, global exposition um, and taking a bunch of teens on missions trip, um, one of the things they, 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 were, they warned us of is the way that some of, some of our altar calls is the way that we do it. When you do it in other countries, it will not make sense to them because we're just adding Jesus. They'll add Jesus to their collection of gods. But you got to tell them Jesus calls you to renounce all and to receive Christ. Um, when I was leading the young man from Uganda who was Muslim um, to Christ, I had him renounce Allah. Um, I know the word Allah means God, but it's associated with a different God. And so I had him say, I renounce Allah. I break all ties to Allah and I turn to Jesus. When I never forget, I was at a, a youth facility and there was a young man who was a Satan worshiper. He would he had the satanic Bible and he had little signs in his, his room and he was worshiped Satan, they tell me. And uh, he, he we preached to him for 15 minutes and he broke the powers of darkness over his life by renouncing the hidden things of darkness. He says, I turn away from Satan and I embrace Jesus. And they tell me weeks later, you, you, you saw a change in him. He took everything that was Satan, broke it up and threw it in the garbage. He didn't have no deliverance, no mass deliverance. Wait, hours and hours of me casting out devils. His turning to Jesus broke all demonic strongholds in his life. And years later, you still see the fruit of that. Amen. I think sometimes we think our deliverance is more powerful than the gospel. We don't think the gospel is enough. The gospel can save a drug dealer. The gospel can save a, save a homosexual. The gospel can save a racist person. The gospel can save Hitler. Come on. The gospel can save all who calls upon the name of Jesus. And we got to believe there's enough power in the message of Jesus to transform a life. That you don't, I think people add on to the gospel by saying you got to go through several stages of deliverance. You got to go through several sessions. The gospel is enough. It's so powerful. It can take you from a place of going on a highway to hell to a highway to heaven. That's what the gospel does. It turns you around, sets your feet on a higher place. You, you, you was once not, not part of the flock of God. Now you are part of the flock of God. He puts his seal on you. He changes you. Last is time. It takes time to pursue him. You don't get to know him after one encounter. It's several meetings with God. It's a lifetime of hunger and desire. When somebody says, I'm really hungry for God, I just look back and let me see you a month from now, a year from now, three years from now, a decade from now. See, see if you still have your hunger. It takes time, and time is, is something that we have to value. Your time on earth will make you valuable here. If you, if you cause, go after God and pursue him, pressing into the pursuit, you'll find yourself knowing him. Not be like the man who loved this present world. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're here and you say, Pastor Dwayne, I want to turn away from this world. I want to turn away from the life that I know, and I want to embrace the new life that is in Christ. I want you to be bold and brave enough to say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to rededicate my life to Christ. I want to continue on. I want to press on to know him. He says, I, 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 I want to know him. Is there here, you here and you say, well, I want to speak in tongues and I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be bold and brave enough to say, that's me. I want to receive this power from on high. Father, I thank you for meeting their needs. Thank you, Lord. Whatever they're going through, I thank you for giving them wisdom and guidance. Lead them and guide them and direct them. Father, I thank you for meeting every financial need, um, giving them wisdom, giving them joy. Father, helping them get through whatever they're facing, Father. I thank you that because Jesus overcame, they are, they are overcomers. Thank you for helping them to overcome. Thank you for helping them to overcome, Father. We pray for their spirits to be strong. Father, I thank you. There are many wars against them and many battles, but I thank you. They have victory. They'll be like the apostle. 
that says they fought a good fight. Father, they didn't go down. Uh, uh, they didn't go down without a fight. Uh, they, they took their place in Christ. And I thank you for minister to their needs, Lord. I thank you for blessing them and strengthening them, causing them to prosper, causing them to know you, know you as the healer, know you as the provider, know you as the wisdom giver, know you as the comforter. Know you as the one to, to bring about change. You're a change giver, Lord. You bring about change. So change their circumstances. I thank you, Father, that, that, that whatever they're facing, that they are overcomers. I thank you that faith in you changes everything. I thank you that they govern their lives according to their faith and that, that they make decisions based on their faith. Give them joy and peace and love. And, and, and I thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives, conforming them to the image of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We praise you and we honor you, Father. We give your name, glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas. That's R-A-N-C-O-C-A-S, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us by email and the address is partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His words. Until next time, God bless you.